Welcome to the Lighthouse Experiment, a Freedom Center Church podcast. Well, welcome back to the Lighthouse Experiment Podcast. Thank you so much for being back this week, y'all. Um, my name is Asha Chandler. Pastor Jim Parkin is on the show, and we are so grateful, grateful to have guests Amira and Laura on with us this week from the EMS medical community here in Genesee County. So thank you guys for joining thanks us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. Uh, been yeah. trying to uh, track Amira down for this show for probably since this show's been a, a hot show. second. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I feel stressful. Yeah. So, what we want to get into tonight is compassion fatigue. I know it's a, it's, it's kind of hitting hard now. Um, I think yeah. for me in particular, uh, I'm in a like a full on sour grapes season, mm-hmm. or like I'm I'm tired of the EMS community getting no shine at all. You know, I feel seeing, that we're seeing post after post after post about how bad it is in the ER and we need more cash. And, and I keep myself disciplined with my not posting things. Cause what I do is I'll type it all out and then give it to my wife to proofread. Cause you can't put, listen, you can't put people yeah. on blast yeah. and have poor punctuation and spelling. <laughs> no, you can't do that. I see it all the time. <laughs> so what I'll do is I'll type something all the way out, then slide the phone or whatever yeah. I'm using over. And nine out of 10 times, she just deletes it. And she'll be like, yeah, you can't say that. But so a lot of times lately, I'm feeling like I'm doing the same thing all you guys are doing by myself in like a four by eight tube for like less than a fraction of the price. So don't so much want to hear it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I have a couple different aspects on it and I know it probably will sound funny. Um, Um, my husband left EMS. He does HVAC. And literally when he left and COVID hit, um, my husband, um, literally was going to have a nervous breakdown. He was watching Facebook and he's like, okay, there's a bunch of nurses. Okay. They're heroes. He's like, and they're screaming, everybody stay home. He's like, but do they realize like me, I'm out of a job. I, uh, I have no way to make money. We just lost our health insurance. Yeah. Like they completely ignored the other half of the people that were struggling, they respect people have always respected healthcare, but I think the public also got burnout when they're like, you have jobs, you guys have more knowledge of what's going on and we're all sitting in the dark. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I sat and, you know, working as a paramedic supervisor, listening to how my husband felt. And then I come to work and I hear how horrible people are that, you know, my husband's sitting at home getting a paycheck you know, from the government, well, that's not what he wanted to do, you know? So like to me, I kind of got bridged in between my family that all got laid off and we're struggling to put food on the table and then listening to everybody at work that obviously in the very beginning, everybody was scared because we really didn't know what we were dealing with. And even my husband will say for the first three months he was laid off, he kept his mouth shut because he didn't know. Right. But then as things started peeling back, you know, he realized, okay, well, now it's psychological effects. It's our children right. are being messed with. Like there was a lot of things and 
you could see the strain on coworkers too, because their husbands were getting laid off, their wives were getting laid off yeah. if they were not in the medical sector. And then <clears throat> everybody was angry and everybody's still angry because they've never got it out of their system. We all harbor that anger mm-hmm. that nothing's been fair. Um, Can I interject yes. on that not, not fair thing? So when COVID was first happening um, and people were getting laid off and they were starting to collect unemployment and then all of a sudden they were like, oh yeah, you get an extra $600 in addition to your unemployment to stay home while the rest of us are out here working our butts off for like no extra monies, but we were the ones being put in the first, you know, in the first pass on the oncoming COVID harm that nobody knew anything about, which talk about a kick to the teeth, you know? I remember, I remember when that happened, I was like, I was like, that, that's not fair. How about you give the, you know, the first, you know, the first line of folks that are out there that are still working despite what kind of diseases are going on. Why don't you give them the extra $600 for like, you know, hazard pay. Absolutely. And my husband wouldn't have even disagreed with that, you know, and, and we disagreed with yeah. continuing paying people that much money. Cause now we're in a point where nobody can hire anybody. Right. And right. it's just yeah. that this casualty and then for sure unfortunately um being a, a patient and being a, a a paramedic and and all that stuff the other thing i see with this compassion fatigue i think you can really see who is in this industry for the money and who's in it because they actually like caring about people Absolutely. i think right. that is completely melted away that doctors will even say that they're working with people that literally do it for a paycheck and that's it mm-hmm. and you probably as a paramedic, when you guys are going in there and you have these crashed nurses going, well, I don't care if you sit in the hallway, it's not my problem. And and we never were treated like that before. Right. I think listening to the crews, there's never been more greater of a divide between the ER staff and EMS than there is right now. Because um, my crews literally get talked down to and treated like absolute garbage every day by the ER staff. Mm-hmm. Like it's their fault they brought more patients in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's all, that's always been a thing, but that's like definitely a thing now. You know? What yeah, because I mean? we're just riding around the city picking up anybody that we can just uh-huh. you know mess up your system <laughs> with. And when we enter a, a neighborhood. We're like, who wants to hop over to Hurley? Come on down. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, you know, I took hard. a I took a guy a couple weeks ago. He's he's like a like if you work in the Flint system he's he's a regular like everybody knows him we took him to to uh i'll I'll say it we took him to mclaren and there was a kid working in there who's there on on travel and he's not from here and he Mm -hmm. starts just getting super mouthy about about the city and you guys i found myself so like super offended i was like listen hoss you don't get to talk about this city (laughs) you are not from here like so you just go back in your little triage hole and do your thing quietly. Like you have no knowledge of what it's like, you know, what a career in this city is like. So. Yeah, it is. uh, It is unique working in the areas that we work in. I think because most of us, I grew up in EMS in the city of Flint, Soto de Mera. And and I've worked, you know, other places I've worked in Livingston and um, I've, and then working at Lamar, I've worked. (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah i don't work there anymore (laughs) but uh but i did learn some things while i was down there you know like um how much i miss flint 
So, right. <laughs> yeah. I, and I've always come back. Every time I've left, I've come back. And uh, there's just something about it, you know, innately that in Genesee County, you never know what you're going to get. But a majority of the people that live here, um, when you go on these calls, most of the people do value you coming into their homes and taking care of them. Um, mm-hmm. I, I haven't had too many, even regulars. Um, some of the, I, I had a regular, uh, she's long since passed. Um, she'd get excited when she saw me coming down the road and she knew it was me. She'd pull out of her really not awesome purse. She'd always try to hand me now and laters for a gift because, you know, she, she liked me, you know, but I was always compassionate regardless yeah. of her issues, yeah, you know, right. and I know we all have our favorites, even though they're kind of a nuisance to the system, they come kind of like, they're like your family. And if they're missing and you haven't seen them in a while, you get worried. Like, right. So and so, no, you know, so yeah, for sure, people, that's absolutely true, you know. Um, but like watching Amira, um, you know, doing her job, and uh, I know she uh has worked in different areas, you know, you, you can see it great on like normally she's super bubbly, but there's days she's like, yeah, I don't want to be here, right. you know, and that's it's so hard some days. Like, I mean, I really truly enjoy helping people, um. I learned the uh, that gift from my father. He was a doctor. I wanted to be a doctor when I was growing up, but I ended up in EMS and I just got stuck here because <laughs> I enjoyed the job. It was it's the same job but different every day. Um, but lately, I don't know what's happening in this world. People are. It's really hard to take care of somebody when they don't want to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. It's hard to to care about, um, you know, going into that. Uh, it's hard to give compassion when people are just. Um, they, they don't take their medications. They don't do what they're supposed to do. Um, they don't care how they live. They don't care. They don't really care about anybody. And it's really hard to maintain that bubbly personality and that, that compassion for others when they don't even care themselves. So it's like, well, if they don't care, why should I care? And then I don't know what happened, but this, the call volume, and as I'm sure you've experienced this at work, <clears throat> excuse me, has skyrocketed. I've been doing this for quite a long time and I've never seen so many patients as I'm seeing right now. And something yeah. has to stop because I don't, I don't know what, cause we're, this is the first time I've ever worked through a pandemic, but uh, the numbers are astronomical. And most of the patients that we see, and you can attest to this are not critical patients. Right. These folks do not need to go in by an ambulance. And I don't know if it's, it's like an education thing. I don't know if it's something, it's a, yeah. a family practitioner thing. I've, I've heard many people say, well, the doctor told me to call an ambulance so I can get in quicker. And I'm like, that's not how it works. That's no, not how any no, of this works. No. But, but we're like, you know, to be fair, we're watching it. We're watching doctor's offices call 911 because their labs are abnormal. Right. We're literally watching it come through the 911 system. It's happening at nursing homes. And then... There's that other gridlock. If a patient potentially has COVID, their family physician won't even see them. Right. And right. so the, the patient is in this fear, like, do I have it? Am I that that percent that if, if I have it, even though I'm vaccinated, am I going to die if I don't do anything? So, you know. Or you have the patients that have physicians that refuse to see them, but they say, well, I'll, I can I can take you over Zoom. And you have our elderly population who have no idea yeah. how to use electronic equipment. They barely right. have any idea of what medications they take on a daily basis, let alone how do you hop on to your smartphone and connect right. with your doctor. So they're at a disadvantage, and the only thing they know how to do is call 911. 
because they have no no clues how to get a hold right. of a doctor. Yeah, we've started at Swartz. We're just like scratching the surface, but we're doing the uh, community paramedic program through mm-hmm. the, oddly enough, MedStar through the the Genesis or the Ascension, I think PPO or PHO or something. Mm-hmm. But it's to keep the idea is to keep people from readmits. So we're going once they've been discharged, we're going and seeing uh, seeing them at home, and going over that stuff, over the medications and and it's like you're right, they have no idea, no clue what they're doing. You know, yeah. like we we saw a lady a couple of weeks ago, and right now all we see is like CHF clinic people. So mm-hmm. we went to her home, and this is like a week past or post discharge, and she's already put on like 10, 15 pounds. She's already, you know, edema, shins to toes. Mm-hmm. And it's just, she had no idea. She's right. got a refrigerator, a freezer full of um, uh, the Weight Watchers things, the smart ones. Uh-huh. But those are like 9 million like grams of sodium. Right. So it's just, yeah, it's just insane. It's, it's crazy. Wild. It's wild. So, but that's a, that's 100% it. It just has no no idea what's going on, you know, so... Oh, we have that's a third my mom guest. Yeah, it's my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, mom. Hi. <laughs> She's so, alive. but that's it. A lot of it is is they're just not educated and they don't know. And you're right. I don't know how you mean you're seeing Amira, but we're getting like me and Danny average ten, like eight to ten calls every day. So we're yeah, going it's... as slow as we can possibly. Like, well, I mean, like I, <laughs> I am dragging my really feet. <laughs> right you know so, no it, it is really hard from a management aspect you know like you can definitely see you know people calling off shifts because it's it's not so much that they don't care about the job i mean there's a whole culture change in a shift and, and it's not a good shift because nope. there's no reliability like there's a shortage of ems everywhere so it's not just a company problem it's not a management problem it's right. People just get sick and tired and they get up and they're like, yeah, I don't want to do this. And, and they call off, which stinks because then it's that cataclysmic effect that, well, MMR normally has 13 trucks. Oh, now we only have seven. Swartz only has three. You know, Stat has one. Patriot has no one. MedStar is non-existent. So mm-hmm. now the county suffers because, oh, there's a whole 14 trucks to serve a community that there used to be 60 ambulances on a daily basis available. Yeah. 60. Lately, it's been it's been common practice, and I don't think it should be of us responding like over 20 miles away to tier yeah. one calls. Like the other day I was working and we were at uh, Wilson and Saginaw and we got sent tier one lights and sirens for those that don't know what tier one is um, down to Flint city for a stabbing. And I was like, surely we cannot be the closest ambulance to the stabbing. Like there, there's no way, All but right. we were. And like, how is that possible? Like what? It, like, and thankfully we got, we got disregarded before we got there. Mm-hmm. It turned out to be very yeah. minor. We, they were not needed, which, like, luckily, thankful, you know, thankfully. But what if it was truly legitimate? What if it was someone's child and we were the closest ambulance? And just because mm-hmm. of the shortage we have right now, we couldn't make it on time. Had there been a closer ambulance, like, the outcome could have been different. And that's super heartbreaking. You know, yeah. what do you do? We can yeah. only go so fast. We can never only do so been, Like, I never would have imagined in my last, you know, probably five or so years of my career that it'd be like this. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
And and I think on a society level, it really, like we were talking about earlier, COVID hit. They they made definite class lines: who's essential, who is not. You right. know that doesn't help. No. Nope. You know people don't really know. Everybody's scared. I had a guy right. ask me the other day, a friend. He doesn't. He's not in healthcare. I mean. Uh, and he asked, like, why was healthcare? Why was everybody so scared initially? And I was like, cause, dude, like, people, young, healthy people, were coming to ER at 9 a.m. with shortness of breath, and they were intubated at noon, and they were dead at five. And these right. docs are like, going, what are we even looking at here? Absolutely, right. you know. And and the, and the and and the worst part is, is um, even from like just the aspect of here is no, there's still no definitive treatment plan. You know, like the monoclonal antibodies. Oh, those were working. Well, you can't get them now. Why? Because it doesn't even work for what's what's going on. So, no, that's not even a treatment they do. So, you know, and then there's no consistency across the board with the hospitals. They have a standard protocol, but you're getting different outcomes at different hospitals because right. their treatment plan is completely different. And, uh, you know, you think about, we used to take family with us to the hospital. And now, you know, you guys are on the front lines. You go into someone's home. You know they're sick. You know the hospital's not allowing visitors. But that's the last time that that family member's probably going to see whoever, and and that's it. And right. you guys have to live with that, knowing it. Like in your head, you're like, "Well, this stinks," and you know, I just I think about how many times you guys had to do that over the last few years because we used to take family with us. Family was yeah. involved as part of the care, yeah. and. Right. That's where the hospitals, I think, um, need to start rolling back because uh, the amount of harm it's done to just the general society, yeah. you know, not being able to be with their family members. Um, right. I think that's one of the hugest impacts. Um, and I don't think in the beginning anybody was being careless, but I think now that we know more, you know, if, if I can go back to work after being COVID positive in five days, why can't family go see a loved one after five days? Right. You know? Right. Um, I can tell you what, Laura, that was when I saw like the first time. And uh, so shout out Tammy Wilder. She was my partner that day. But like the first time we took someone that was the, like the first time I remember hearing center say the patient is COVID positive. Mm -hmm. You know, then I go, OK, you know, at first I'm like, OK, you know, that's is what it is. But this lady was like saying her goodbyes to her family. Mm -hmm. and, like that hit different. And then. That was when I was like, okay, this is bad. This is really right. bad. And then then shortly after that, like, I think, like, two or three nurses at McLaren passed away. And, like, people mm -hmm. we knew started getting right. COVID and dying. And it's like, okay, like, and we're really, true. really in it now, you know. Yeah, and I, I think we just haven't taken the time because there hasn't been the time, right? <laughs> right. So we've just been grinding on. So we have never really taken the time with our staff, you know. We have... You guys, too, you have young crews that this right. is probably the first hard thing in their lives. Right. You know, can you imagine? Yeah. I I can't imagine being a brand new EMT and welcome to COVID, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's surreal. like to me, it's just real. Like, you know, it was like I, you all have children and, um, you know, Amira has uh, two kids and, you know, sending them to school and like, oh, my kid has to sit in school with a mask on all day. Like, how do you tell your kid to do that? And I don't know how people did that with their little kids. Like, you know, and then getting right. phone calls, your kid didn't wear their mask properly today. Like, 
So you're at work, you have all that caveat going on. Plus you have the stress of your family and your kids going to school or not going to school. And then the dreaded phone call, they've been exposed to COVID. They have to quarantine for two weeks. And then you have to function on daycare and who's going to watch your kids. And you can't expose your mom and dad to someone that has COVID. So I, I watched so many people just incapable of even working because half of them had COVID and they had to quarantine in their own households. You know, yeah. I watched that and it was just, Hey, I got a question for you, Jim. Before COVID, prior to COVID, how many times did you ever wear your N95 on a call? <laughs> this is super funny, you guys, because the week prior to them handing us, because COVID had hit and we started getting cases in Genesee County. Mm-hmm. At the time I was working with Shannon Keys and we actually had for the first time in my career, a positive tested TB patient. Oh, wow. So seven days prior to all that was the first time. And I used it for non-COVID and it was because this dude, super young guy too, had some, I don't know, he'd been like on mission trip or something, but got home and was sick and turns out had TB. So they're like, he does have tuberculosis. So, and it was weird because it was oddly exciting. We're like, hey, <laughs> we're going to wear a T. This N95, they give us a new one every year, you know? Right. <laughs> the one, yeah. The one mask. Oh, when the COVID first started, what a trip to not have a fresh mask to use on each patient. You know, right. when we started baking the masks or leaving them in the sunshine or sprinkling them with fairy dust or whatever we did to disinfect them. Put them in the lunch sack. For sure. <laughs> I, 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 you know, what blows my mind about the whole thing is. For all of the hazardous classes I've taken, all the hazmat, all the things I've done, um, I'm like, yeah, this this isn't how this is supposed to be done. I'm going to put this in a Ziploc container, and it's already, like, been exposed, and I'm going to reapply it to my face. Yeah, sounds like a great idea. Hey, at MMR, were you guys doing the thing? We were doing this thing at Swartz where they bought this contraption. It was like a box, and off each end was, like, a tanning bed light bulb. And then nice. I had a hook, so you'd hang it from the bar in the back of the rig for like five minutes mm-hmm. and you go and you put it in the front of the rig for five minutes. And I don't know if you guys knew, but tanning beds evidently kill COVID. So that's what, that was the thing. And right. when the dude was selling it to our management team, I was like, you guys have got to be kidding. <laughs> like <laughs> this dude rolled in in a 1988, like Bonneville and he's selling this to you out of the trunk, dude. Nice. <laughs> yeah, no, but, no, we, we, we have them. We have them now. We, before we didn't, it was just, it was just like basically use the sun, use your, you know, your, fa- your favorite, uh, right. Magical spell, whatever, you know, you did to, you know, keep, keep the color. So why away. didn't like the, like the, uh, Tropitan people become essential and like everybody had like Tropitan, dude. I don't know. <laughs> why didn't that become a, Preventative. Like a wildly talked about thing? Or a treatment plan. Why couldn't that be a treatment plan? I could see the the commercials now. Look good and kill COVID at the same time. (laughs) People would be like super dark. Well, I'm just saying like cancer or COVID, you choose. But I've been around so many people and I don't know what everybody else's regimen is, but I like, I take vitamin D on a daily basis. Yeah. And I've been very, very fortunate through this whole thing. Um, uh, I've had several uh, family members um, that have gotten COVID and I've been around them and I've been very, very fortunate not to get it. Um, none of my family, but uh, 
and, and, and I don't know. It's like really bad lottery. Why some people get it and why some people don't and why some people get it and it's really bad and other people, you'd never know anything was wrong with them. Right. I don't know if it's genetics. I don't, and nobody can tell us. That's the thing that right. disturbs me most as right. we're, what, going on three years and nobody can tell us you why. still don't really know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I can and remember I, super early they would be like uh, O-type blood. We're mm-hmm. seeing that O-type blood people don't get COVID. And it was like it, it was like one what, day. What? O-type blood? All right. But I got I do. I'm O positive and I had I got COVID. But it was oh, it was man. just interesting, like the little things like that would come up in the news like once. <clears throat> and they never talk yeah. about it again. Yeah. Maybe they were hoping. Yeah. Your your alien blood didn't work for hey, you. Hey, I also have alien blood, Jim. So if you ever need a transfusion, you let me know. Yeah, man. My brother from another mother. I got you. <laughs> um, I uh, I have AB. You know, I'm AB positive. So I, I don't know. The, I don't know. I don't know I'm, how- I'm A positive. We were super sick in February. Like, sick. Like, we'd never been sick before. Right before shutdown happened in March. And really so we were like, eh, you know, who knows? And then when summer came along, we are like, we're going to be outside as much as possible. We went to our local beach and hung out in the sunshine. And we were outside for hours each day just trying to be outside and enjoy being as much as normal as we could. You know. Um, And then this past March, um, Nick actually, my husband tested positive with COVID. And I had all the same symptoms. But two weeks back to back, I got tested and it still came back negative. I don't understand Uh that. I don't know what that means. You know, so I don't know. That's I thing. I appreciate right, and I appreciate Laura saying, like sharing her husband's perspective and his frustrations too. Um, I know. I mean, I remember one time, Jim, you guys came over and you were like, "I'm sick of having the same five conversations." Remember this? Oh yeah. yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. But would you just tell me, like, what you think about everything? <laughs> like, because I have no idea. Like, I have my RN mom who is like, I'm not going to live in fear. And there was always a protocol for everything. And I'm not going to, like, hide away in my house for whatever. It's my, if, my, if it's my time to go, it's my time to go. And my mom's just like, you know, whatever, doesn't care. Not that she doesn't care, but she just did all yeah. the health preventative things. And at some point, you know, we, I, from what I understood, the game plan was to flatten the curve. So that we didn't overwhelm the healthcare industry. And then it, that wasn't the case. And then every two weeks, here's another order. And then the day before, just kidding, we're going to put another one in place. So it just felt like we were being played with the entire time. It didn't feel Absolutely. like... If I, I understood that everybody was trying to figure it out. But then I also felt like people were messing with everybody too. It just felt like... And then in the middle, like everybody's arguing, everybody's fighting, and everybody wants to do it different. Um, I think... I appreciate you saying like the fatigue of the communities too, Mm -hmm. because I, I feel like I'm just coming out of like, even in January, Jim, with us doing that 30 minute a day thing with, you know, Kyle Irwin, just getting like fighting to get out every day and have forward motion and be productive with myself and get out of the winter blues, but also all of the other things that we're still coming out of. Um, really fighting to be productive and accountable to myself Mm -hmm. and try to work through all the things because it's, it's been, 
I mean, even just for our, our family in the last four years, going through new baby, job loss, my husband's health with anxiety and depression to the point where he wasn't leaving the house. It was so bad to mm-hmm. then, oh, just kidding. Now we have a pandemic. Oh, just kidding. Like all the kids are going through all this stuff at school. Um, so I and then to see my communities and people I love like at odds with each other and then people I care about on the front lines and facing something that they've never, you know, and could not come out of it on the other end, you know, so it's. It's been wild, but at the same time, I've not wanted to make my experience, uh, like, shouted because I don't, there's, I know we're all going through things in different ways, and it's all different experiences, and I never want to compare, you know, whatever, but it's hard to, to share how I feel about things when I, when there's people that like, like what we're doing right now, there's people in the EMS industry that need to be heard and their, and their experiences and voices need to be heard because right. yeah. So there's yeah. all so much, you know, there's so much. Yeah, yeah. And, and like I said, like when you were talking about animosity and you talk about family and the division um, the last three years have created and the hatred and just uh, pitting family members against each other. Like, you know, I have family members that are medical that, you know, totally against the vaccine. Since there's been so many governmental pushes, um, well, you're not going to tell me what to do. I don't trust you. You've done all these things already. Why would I trust a vaccine that you're pushing? Why are you ma- Why are you making? Why are you forcing? We haven't forced stuff, you know, in so many years, you know. And um, I unfortunately, um, you know, lost my father in December to COVID. So I had to experience it from a family side in how the hospitals treated my family. And um, let me tell you, <laughs> um, we can talk about compassion fatigue, but like uh, in that moment, um, I can't picture Amira sitting next to me, uh, treating me or my family the way that uh, my family was treated. Um, I understand that we have seen and felt uh, a lot of things, but as a care provider, I have never uh, trumped a family member or a patient, their story or what they're going through on a scene or whatever's going on. Uh, and what I mean by that, like if I come to your house, I'm not going to tell you about me. Right. My 100% focus is on you. Once yeah. it's done, I can, you know, talk to decompress with my partner, you know, if I, if I need to, but you don't need to hear about my story. I need to know what's going on with you and give you 100% of my devotion. Mm-hmm. And there are a ton of people that are doing this job. Um, that seem to need to tell the family that's losing their loved one how hard COVID's been on them. This isn't the time or place. Right. I don't need to hear about it because everybody has survived through this too. They did have to come home. They did wash their hands. You know, they did wash their groceries. They tried to follow yeah. all these, you know. Yeah. It was traumatic to people. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, I, at the height of COVID, a little backstory on me, um, I started having some difficulty breathing and I was diagnosed with interstitial lung disease and they didn't know what it was. And because they put in, you couldn't have elective procedures. I had to sit at home or actually I was going to work still, but for three months, I didn't know if I had cystic fibrosis or or what I had. I didn't know how much time I had left. So for three months, because they couldn't do a biopsy, my husband was laid off and cried every day. Because 
We didn't know how much time I had left because I can go get a biopsy because of COVID. But that's just me. Thousands of people went through that too. Yeah. You know, breast cancer. Uh, there was people um, going to my pulmonologist. I had to hear about, and it's it's a funny thing. I had to hear about how traumatic it was for their um, lab technicians that do the biopsies, that do the slices, because so many people couldn't have biopsies done. Instead of telling people they could treat something now, they had to tell them it was not treatable. So the people that were working in the labs, looking at these results of tumors and stuff they had to wait to get, it was too late to treat these people. They had people literally leaving work, having to see counselors, and quitting their jobs because it was just too depressing. And, like, those people you don't hear about at all. Right. You know, the people that have to, you know, I can't even imagine, you know, thinking, well, this patient should have had this done four months ago and we could have started treatment or done, you know, a removal. Mm -hmm. So um, I totally get um, the whole full circle. Um, But then I look at EMS and we have so many great providers that are maintaining compassion. And you guys are going out there and you're working with families you're putting on a good front. Yeah. You're taking their loved ones. And you guys are sitting in the hospital continuing treatments on the stretchers <laughs> because there's nowhere for them to go. Right. You guys are still being compassionate. Yeah. Um, and to me, that's something to be proud of. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yes. Um, well, it's really important to be a patient advocate, but it's extremely important to be a patient advocate right now. I can't tell you how many times that we've had to convince the nurses in the triage area that please, you know, so-and-so, Mr. So-and-so cannot wait. There's no, he really needs a bed. He needs to be seen ASAP. And um, a lot of the people don't get it. A lot of the the newer folks don't get it. A lot of the newer EMS people don't get it. Right. But being a patient Mm -hmm. advocate is so important. And it's like, we've all been affected by COVID in one way, shape or form, but it's like, it's really important to not lose sight of the greater good. I mean, you know, there's not one person out there that works on the ambulance that's trying to be that's going to be a millionaire anytime soon. <laughs> you know, right. It's, right. it's definitely not for the you know fame and fortune. That's... Absolutely not. You know, I have yet to save the life of a billionaire who's going to say thank you with some money. You're there that as long as we've been in EMS, I've been in it for 20 years, um, and I know Amira's been in a little bit longer than me. I'm 107. <laughs> but have you guys felt like even though we make more money now, um, I feel like I've lived backwards. Yes. Like, I'm still not caught up. Yep. Like, nope, because inflation. I'm, <laughs> I'm like. Because good old inflation. <laughs> inflation. Like, I would, you know, McDonald's used to be super affordable. Now you could, you know, you can, you have to buy one, you know, combo meal for $11 and split it with, with your, your partner. Split it, <laughs> and split it with the people that want some breakfast, you know? Yeah. It's, just, it's hard. It's hard for everybody. Like, it doesn't matter what you do for a living. It really doesn't matter. It's hard for everyone right now. Right. And a lot of people. Um, that compassion fatigue, they've also lost sight of like trying to be kind to one another. It's so important. It doesn't matter what license you have. It doesn't matter that I'm a nurse medic and so-and-so is an EMT. That does not matter. It it matters to be kind. It it matters to be patient. It matters to try and help one another. I've always been um, grateful for help I receive on scene or at the hospital. And I don't, I don't care what company you work for. If you need help and I'm available, I will help you. And a lot of people have lost sight of this, you know, to help your, you know, your fellow man. And it's just, I don't know how to bring the love back. I don't know how to bring that, <laughs> that, you know, I'm here for you feeling back to one another. Cause right now it's right. just, like Laura said earlier, it's been so divided and it's yeah. really hard right. to bring it back 
when we've been separated for so long. Yeah. What we're doing, I'm going to tell you, honestly, the whole reason that we started this podcast is because I, I started seeing the kind of the writing on the wall in that aspect years ago. So this was like, what, actually 2017 we started. Yeah. yeah. But like, obviously not knowing that we'd go through, you know, a public health crisis like globally or a pandemic. But right. like <clears throat> when I when we do these episodes, I really I have in mind the EM the EMS community in Genesee County. That's mm-hmm. so it's it's this weird shift that happened. You know, I was an EMT, then I got medic and I and I did the thing for so long. And now really, you know, taking good care of patients is kind of a byproduct to me feeling this strange desire to keep my eye on everybody out there that's doing the thing, you know, and just, just trying to check in. Like it's always been a thing where we get some shade from the nurses and and that's whatever, you know, but like my partner and I, a thing we've been doing lately, especially since they kind of, uh, I can't think of the word right now, but they, they kind of have our back now because there's a protocol in Genesee County. But a lot of the time, if people are just kind of fluey or they don't feel great, but they're not in any kind of trouble, we, you know, we're very honest to, with them. With like, listen, like you're doing good right now. You know, if things change, call us back. But you're looking at like a 20 hour wait in right. the ER. Oh yeah, and that's you so know? not an and exaggeration, unfortunately. You know, and and I would much rather be miserable in my on my own couch. Right. Absolutely. Amen to that. Yeah. No. Um. I uh. I've had a couple rough months, and I uh, Amir knows because I have. She's my little text buddy, so I send her memes, and um, I'm uh, I'm being appropriate this evening. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, but like like I said, my my dad passed away, and that was just. Uh, one, obviously losing my dad, but just the way it happened was just not, uh, not great. Um, and then like, uh, he passed away on a Sunday on the, uh, oh, the 19th, 20th, 19th, 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 uh, just before Christmas. And then, uh, we had his funeral on the 21st and then obviously we tried to have some normalcy with the kids, Christmas and all that stuff. And, uh, <laughs> uh, Christmas Eve, kidney stone. And I was like, no, this is like the worst, right? So I blow it off. I call urgent care because of the meds I take because my lungs can't tore it all. So I'm like, ah, I'll just I'll drink some wine or something. Be fine. <laughs> so I, I I waited until, I don't know, it was like we got through Christmas and then it was Sunday. The Sunday after Christmas, I'm laying in bed and I was like, okay, well, um, I need something. So I literally called the ERs to find out what their wait time was because I was so miserable. And St. Mary's had no one. I went there. And I literally, if I could have just told them, like, CT scan me, give me the narcs, and I'll go home and lay in my bed and die there. You know, like, yeah. Um, and I, w- I literally was, it took me longer to get in the building after COVID screening. I got COVID screened three times. <laughs> you know, it took me longer to get in the building than to be seen. And they CT scan me, said, yep, you have a stone. It'll take a while to pass. Uh, you can stay here and hang out. And the funny thing is, um, they just hit a lock in and I was thinking to myself with no fluid running, how is that going to happen? <laughs> you know? So I was like, no, nope, right. I'll go. And they, uh, wrote me my script and I went home and it took a month and a half to pass, but it finally did. But, uh, but like, it was just a surreal experience. Cause like I told my husband, I said, I'm writhing in pain and I'm sitting in the, um, 
little uh, annex in this hospital. Like, and this guy's asking me, like, he has a full sheet to fill out before I can even make it in the building. Right. I was like, this is insane, you know, because I didn't want to go. But unfortunately, with kidney stones, you, you can't just go to urgent care. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's one of those caveats, like, and, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a ton of patients in that situation where, like, they have to go to the hospital. They know exactly what needs to be done, but then they have all these other people muddying up the waters. Yeah. So now we have to do all these other things because the actual family physicians are not doing their job, you know? And, uh, I've heard a lot of, um, I know, um, we lost, uh, our doctor left the state. So we had to find a new doctor in the middle of this. So try and find a doctor that's going to accept you and actually see you, you know? Yeah. Um, fortunately we were able to find a family physician, but, um, but my whole thing is, is it's just surreal that I was to the point that I knew I was going to call around because I wasn't going to go sit in Hurley for 50 hours with a kidney stone. Right. You know? And uh, so I don't know what these other people do because obviously we have the, the street smarts. We have the knowledge. Like, hey, I better call ahead and find out within 30 minutes of my house where I can go get in and get seen. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. And the sad thing is, is if you leave Genesee County, the wait times aren't like this. Well, occasionally St. Mary's and Covenant is packed, but not compared to down here. Down here right. is insane. Right. Um, no, like I said, Covenant and um, Saginaw and St. Mary's and St. Mary's North, they had some days that, you know, they had to do a reverse triage and they were pretty packed. But Genesee County has consistently been way over on its norms. The call volume last month, I think, was like, a th- may, ah, I might be overestimating, but at least 600 more calls than last year. Mm-hmm. Total. Yeah. Like, that's insane. And then we have less ambulances doing it. Right. So, like, yeah. I and get, so then you I, have us. You guys aren't doing, at least in Genesee County, you're not doing non-emergency transfers. Not tons. Very, very, very. We're very slim on that. I mean, we do right. them, but not not to the margin of anybody else. Right. So because we have. If we did, could you imagine? No. We'd have there, no one. There'd be no, no ambulance. There'd be absolutely like, no one in the county responding to anything. And. And it's, it was getting to the point, and I think it still is, you know, where they're, I think they were toying with the idea of giving center the power, like kind of the, kind of the reins over that as well, kind of like they did in Livingston, because, mm-hmm. I mean, I know a couple weeks ago, I was clearing Hurley while I was there for a minute, I was just mm-hmm. almost to the narrative of a report, and they're begging for medics to clear. Right. So I go, I put myself available. You know, I told our dispatch, I told Swartz dispatch, I'm going to go available. They're looking for medics. And I did. And Swartz immediately put me on a transfer for like 45 minutes out. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it was kind of like I got on the on the radio. It's like negative Tonto. <laughs> like my patient's <laughs> right. going to have to wait. And then, you know, then they took me, made me available to the county again. And, and it was like a cardiac. It was a chest pain guy that had been like 15 minutes pending. Oh yeah, no, it's it's insane. Um, like, just watching close, this, but... you know, um, like if if the hospitals can't get a hold of their contracts, they will call us, and it's like, uh, we got a transfer. It's going to Indiana. No, no, yeah. there's one truck left in the county. Like, right. no, we're not doing that to the citizens. Like, yeah, I know your mental health is important or whatever the reason is, but if it's not a like with MMR and the one thing, you know, like. 
I love about the company is they do really make strong strides to put communities first and, and do in their best efforts, you know, there, but, but there are transfers that are true emergencies. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we know that people do have to get to higher level of care depending on what's going on. Some of the hospitals can't handle certain things up here. If you have an eye injury, you have to go to you. Mm-hmm. And if they, you know, yep. if it was between, you know, if my kids can have their eye saved, I want them to go as quickly and efficiently as possible. Right. So, right. Um, yeah. so, but I don't think the public understands that there are transfers that are necessary, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. So like, what are you guys doing with at MMR? I know we don't have anything really in place for our crews other than me, you know, but I, for us, I think it's a, we're at a case where there's a kind of a disconnect just because of, so few crews and so much call volume, but, mm-hmm. um, like, are you guys checking in at, at a supervisor level? Are you checking in with people and stuff like that as best you can? Let me, I'm going to answer this one. <clears throat> so Jim, this is Laura. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Laura is, uh, our company mom. Uh, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. she is, uh, I've been, been chosen uh, by the the majority of our crews, when somebody has a problem, they go right to her and start talking to her about it because she uh, she cares. Yeah. Right. But unfortunately, we only have one of her and yeah. she's spread a little thin lately. <laughs> right. We don't really our company really doesn't have anybody uh, that checks in or like a critical incident debriefing team or anything like that, which we need. Um, we need to have, especially right now. But uh, there are certain people in the company, as I'm sure you have certain people in your company, like you're a really good person to talk to if, if somebody's having a problem. Um, and like, thank you. That's a blessing. Um, but as far as like, you know, if you're having a bad day or, or what have you, I mean, I try and be there for my fellow partners and my fellow coworkers. And for Laura, hopefully I can provide her some comfort some days uh, as she provides me some comfort some days when, you know, right. I'm just having a tough day and I just, I want to do my best, but I'm just tired and I don't want to be here. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm tired of taking the same people to the hospital, you know, multiple times in one shift, let alone the week. And it just gets, <laughs> it gets, you know, you know what I'm talking about, but uh-huh. um, yeah, unfortunately we don't have anything, you know, we don't have a, a designated person in place, but I know as far as like Laura's concerned, I mean, she's one of our, most awesome supervisor in, in Genesee County. And she's always willing to listen to you. And she's always willing to like, you know, are you having a bad day? Come into my office, talk to me, you know, even right. though she's got like so many things happening in her life, she still is available for others. You know, if they're having a, you know, a tough time. Yeah. It's amazing. That's hard to do. It's, you know, like, uh, I mean, you know, kind of, uh, I guess my feelings on, on that, like, we're all human beings, you know, like, obviously I'm religious. I believe in God, you know, and we're supposed to do unto others as we want what does. And when it comes to a marriage, she has a bad day. Sometimes I'll check in with her. And maybe if she's being a little, um, I'm only, I'm only sassy with Laura, never to my <laughs> patients or my, my fellow coworkers, just to I mean, Laura. Come on. That's, that only shows that I, I care about. If her. you can't be honest to your own friend, Listen. you know, <laughs> I, I, if I'm wrong, someone needs to tell me. I might not like it, but I'll get over it. But, <laughs> right? like, but no, seriously, like, uh, if she, maybe she's been a little, like, let's get him back or a little vengeful or whatever, you know, like. And, 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 me? I would never, ever do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> what? 
Ah, uh, don't don't listen to her. She's doing this for the ratings. <laughs> yeah, like, then I just remind her, like, hey, that's, that's God's job. He said that the wrath and the fury is all him, and you turn it over and you walk away, and it's not not your job. And it's easy to be angry. And in the last few years, she helps me from uh, from from uh, making calls happen. If you know what I mean, wink, wink, nudge, <laughs> nudge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, the other thing I've noticed in this pandemic is we're eating our own. You know, like who's at right. cruise and well, they're not clearing, they're not doing that son. Um you know, like I, I had to laugh the other day, um, just because of my relationship with our staff and like I realized the other day, um, I was four or five phone calls in deep and I had said I love you <laughs> and they had said I love you back. You never tell me you love me. What Every the heck? Day. <laughs> like, even if who's leaving my office, all right, love you, bye. Like, that is, like, a common thing. And, and somebody's uh, husband and wife couple work there, right? And <laughs> the wife said, okay, love you, bye. And the husband's like, she didn't even tell me she loved me. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. and, so, like, I do, um, that is the one thing, like, I do know I'm fortunate. And unfortunate is I have a lot of emotional intelligence. If I know you as a person... When you walk into my office, it's like I can feel your energy, and I know that sounds so crazy, but like, no, I know fair. Camilla walks in if she's in a good mood, yeah. she doesn't feel well. Um, but most of her staff, I can read them when they walk in, and I think it makes a big difference, um, really, for anybody, for you to stop, take a few seconds, acknowledge their presence. How are right. you? Even if you don't have time to get in the nitty gritty, I think. We as a society have forgot to acknowledge others, give some niceties, and go on. That makes a huge difference. Yeah. It's to be acknowledged. Yeah. People right. um, completely neglected each other, especially at work. You know, they, get, they put their head down, they come in, they do whatever, and they forget, you know, some water cooler talks good. You know, um, snacks are good too. Laura provides lots of snacks if you're having a bad day. We uh, we definitely do try to um, feed the crews as much as we can. Sometimes it gets difficult because if they get busy, you know, right. if I don't get a crew and they're upset. I'm all about the foods, all about it. But um, sometimes I, I steal your food eating when you're eating it right in front of you. <laughs> yeah, if, if I'm eating, <laughs> um, everybody knows it's fair game. They can have part of my lunch. But like Laura's so great. Like I'll walk in and she'll be like, I made some homemade chicken soup. This happened like two weeks ago. She's like, there's a container. Take it with you. And I was like, yes, ma'am. Right away. Which, <laughs> which makes us feel better. It brings like more yeah, love right. to the situation. I know yeah. it sounds dumb. No, it sounds it's not. No, no. Not at all. But like, it brings like the, the humanity back into our job. Yes. You know, right. here's somebody who made homemade chicken soup and she cares about you. She wants you to have some because she loves right. you and she wants you to have a full belly. Yes. Right. Which is yeah. very important. Well, yeah. and, you know, Mira, I think that's a thing that, that those of us that are kind of veterans need to, I know we, we work at it here or there, but to really get back to the thing, like where you would drive and wave, you know, like if I see you guys come in right, and I'm right. in and there's this little nod, little nod, little, you know, little wave. And that's even kind of gone away. And I'm like, man, right. we're not we even waving anymore. I know. But just. Just kind of that connection, taking time to talk to the other crews. Absolutely. You know, and it's, that's hello. how it was. But like Absolutely. for an example, 
Amira can share for us all what happened the day I told her that, hey, I think my neck's broken. <laughs> yep. What, what did I tell you, Jim? Tell, you tell said, everybody in the in the radio world what I told you. Yeah, that's right. I'm putting you on first, blast. First, you said, please stop moving your neck. <laughs> <laughs> but then you said, they, we've got you. Like, if you can't work, you know you'll be taken care of. Yeah. Yep. You know, and that's the thing. But you know, as it turns out, it had healed. It healed a little wonky, but it's solid-ish, so I'm good. <laughs> but but that's wild, right? And it's and we've gotten to the point, like, back in the day when we were all young and coming up, you would take patients to Hurley on a Friday night, and we'd all just be there forever. For sure. You know, and just... Good times. You know, yeah. the, the system has changed, obviously, and, and that's so. you can't really so much as do that, but... Just no. that, that the Genesee County EMS system as a whole, we were, I mean, we might have been all wearing different patches and stuff, but it was all like the same team. Right. And for yeah, whatever reason, to, that's dwindling away. It is. Yeah. yeah, we used to go to breakfast. Like, I remember it would be, um, we'd meet at uh, the Coney Island. In fact, they would even put us in the corner because of our conversations. They would they would be stats or it didn't matter, regional We'd all meet at a restaurant. We'd eat breakfast together in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then we'd all individually get called out for either an e-call or our transfers. Mm-hmm. I distinctly remember that. We had bar nights that we all went and we did karaoke or whatever we were going to do. I miss the um, parties so much. I miss the family feel that we used to have. Like, if you called and you were in distress, I didn't care if my boss was going to be mad because you worked for a different company. We went. Mm-hmm. We didn't ask permission. We just went. Um, we I weren't think, so much on tether as we are now. But <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, that is a point. Touche. Um, that's but that's like, that. Yeah, that that is something to me. That's I'm really trying in this next season of the podcast to push kind of this like better together concept. Like trying sure. to get that that feed you know that kind of energy and that kind of thought. You know, well, I'm I'm not so much into unions because I've seen how it doesn't work for some people, and a lot of money goes to a lot of people. It doesn't matter. But one thing I've always wondered, EMS, just straight up, regardless of what company we work for, how come we have no nothing, no funds set aside like like the state of Michigan EMS fund for like you get hurt at work, and then there's money there. Like it's not independent on sports. MMR. It's an association. We have our own little hall that anybody can use or whatever. We don't right. have any of that. And I know we're young compared to all these other, you know, fire and police, but like, shouldn't we be to the point that we're standing up for ourselves? Yeah. Shouldn't we yep. be to the point that like, hey, you know what? I don't, I didn't go to college and I didn't do this, but I have more credits and I've had to re-educate myself more times than you did in college. Like yeah, I yeah. think about how many hours we have in training yearly, constantly refreshing our skills. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know um, about you, but um, I've taken all these elective classes. I have all this knowledge, you know, and we have all these credits. No, it doesn't show a degree, but if we right. did absolutely add up, because um, nurses and stuff, I don't think they have to do it unless they work in specific areas. They're not required to maintain ACLS and all that. But we yeah, are. That's right. Um, and I just uh-huh. don't think people realize 
the commitment, the time away from your family, and the hours that you have, and the amount of years you and Amira have worked. You can walk into a room, look at a piece, and go, we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, you can't pay <laughs> yep. for that. Like, right. you know, when you, you know, me or you or Mira walk in a room, sometimes it's just looking at the house, you're like, oh, like, this is not good, not good at all, you know. And yeah. uh, there's other people, like your newbies, they like, what? What's wrong? Well, you see, they match the couch. Yeah. <laughs> this is the right. problem. You know? Right. Right. Or little can, trigger words that you know exactly what's happening and that it's right. really bad, you know. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I can tell you as an RN, we are not uh, required to maintain ACLS. And actually, believe it or not, a lot of people don't know this, but a lot of nurses that do not work in the emergency room do not have their ACLS certification. It's kind of funny. When I went through nursing school, I thought they would like actually like touch on the fact of emergency medicine. I thought they would touch on the fact of what paramedics do, what EMTs do. They did not at all, not even a little bit. And I was like, how do you not teach this to your future nurses? And that, that right there, just I could not believe that nobody touched on that. Like we're part right. of the medical system. Yeah. You know, when um, years ago, my, uh, my mom was in the hospital and I was talking to one of the nurses and she was at uh, Munson Hospital and the nurse was like, well, what do you do? And I said, I'm a paramedic. And she's like, this is before I got my nursing license. She's like, oh, you're a paramedic? I said, yeah. And she's like, oh. I said, I, I said, I'm also ACLS certified. And she looked at me and she goes, you are? And I looked at her and I said, yes. I said, who do you think responds to uh, grandma when she's not breathing? Like, who do you think shows up to the house? You know, like I, I was genuinely asking, like, yeah. who do you think shows up? Is it, it's not the physician. It's not a nurse. It's the paramedics and EMTs. And she had no clue. Which yeah, that's, that's, me that's wild. Super wild. You know, so I think that's also part of the problem that a lot of this, a lot of disconnect as far as like, you know, nurses that have never been EMS before they got their nursing license. They have no idea what EMS does. Yeah. None whatsoever. Right. Or what yeah. your, your knowledge base is. Um, like uh, my, my sister's nurse and it wasn't until, um, uh, you know, we were talking. I didn't realize. I honestly, for most of my career, like especially as an EMT, I thought nurses like had to have known way more than we did about a ton of stuff, especially working in the ER or the ICU. And then she's like, "No, I don't. I don't. I don't have that. I don't have pails." I was like, "What? I was just thinking, like, what are you talking about?" Um, so it blew my mind. And then like, um, we talk about. You know, and I'm sure you guys have all been in ACLS class with the doctors and you're flying through it. And then you're looking at them going, oh, I'm supposed to trust you with my life. You're the guy calling right. the shot. And sometimes it scares me. You know, I was like, you're, you're the guy, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, There's a lot of people. I just wish that EMS in general got more recognition um, yeah. because a lot of folks don't know the kind of training we have, the kind of tests we need to take and the kind of licensures that we hold to actually work on an ambulance. Right. Like when I was teasing Ashley earlier, when I said, as long as you don't call ambulance drivers, you know, we'd be all right. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, calling nurses like doctor's helpers. Like you don't walk right. in and say, excuse me, doctor helper. You know, right. I'm like, how rude. It, little right. hospital assistant. Thanks, exactly. hospital assistant. Absolutely. <laughs> you know. And, and like I said, we all know that there are excellent nurses. They know what we do. They're very self-aware. They're very intelligent. They're the ones correcting doctors. They're the ones with the residents going, no, we're not going to do that. Because they're in tune and they're smart and they're uh, constantly 
trying to stay on top and be yeah. actual patient advocates. And we all know who those nurses are. That's me. That's me right here. Um, but like I said, I think there is a huge disconnect um, when you explain to someone, this is a cardiac monitor, and yes, I can put it on you, and I can tell that you're having an electrical issue showing me that you're having an MI. Um, there's doctors in the ERs that get it wrong. You know, paramedics, there's very high expectations for paramedics to get things right, and don't you dare call a false activation. You know, right. we'll have to remediate you on that. Um, so there's a very high expectation for EMS in general to get everything right. Uh-huh. There's a very low standard of how we are treated, talked to. Right. Now, there are doctors and PAs that respect us. And we can have a great report. And there are other people who are like the gum on their shoe. And I've never right. quite understood that. Crazy. I, uh, I, uh, so I've true. met some people. <laughs> it's, it's so true. It's I haven't heard wild. that saying in a while. Yeah. But yeah. it's like, like she said, there's so much expectation and zero grace. Yeah. yeah like if, if we miss something. Absolutely. And like if we miss something, it's typically like, oh, so it turns out they're not having a stroke. Right. Like, thumbs up. Yes. That's right. I'm so oh, glad God. I was wrong. I'm so sorry I was wrong. Absolutely. Yeah, like absolutely. Oh. I will. Oh, they forgot to tell me they recently had, you know, stents placed and this isn't really an injury. Cool. But they're here. They do have chest pain. Maybe one of them collapsed. Just saying. But right. uh, how would I know that stents collapsed? Well, you see, you know, um, it, it is amazing when you bring up things to, you know, a doctor and sometimes they give you that like deadpan look like, well, how would you know that? It's like bringing in someone that was walking and talking and breathing and all of a sudden now they're not and they're blue. You're like, I'm pretty sure it's a PE. Well, what would give you that impression? Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, yeah, they were, That's they the were best stuff ever, man. They, they had lots of anxiety and pending doom. And everything was going. There's nothing really showing on my cardiac monitor. And uh, we're not breathing now. <laughs> um, so that would be the indication, Doc, that I'm pretty sure. But, uh, oh, yeah. It, it's kind of cute being on scene. And I, I'm sure you've experienced this like, with your career. of where You're like, it's a car accident. You show up with your partner. And some, some random person walks up to you and says, I'm a nurse. They need to do this. Uh-huh. Well, now that I, I am a nurse, it's kind of fun to you know, withdraw my ID and say, look, I am also a nurse and a paramedic. So I got this, but thank you. That's been wild, man. It's, it, those things are fun when people just, or like the, what they've seen on TV. I actually had a family member tell me about getting, if I was going to do a thoracotomy tray or something. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm like, nice. I'm like, no way, dude. Do they offer you like a big pen also? Just in case you want to, so have you had the experience where somebody yells at you? You have your Bing hunk and cardiac monitor, but they're yelling at you that you don't have an AED. Have uh-huh. you experienced that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Get the AED. And I'm like, I, I, I have a, a different, I have a, I have a cardiac monitor. Well, no, you need the AED. I'm trained in CPR. Okay. Cool. Gotcha. I just want to know when they started using milk for heroin overdoses. That's all I want to know. Oh, my gosh. Get them some milk. When did that become a thing? I know you're talking about I'm sure you've seen the video. It's gone. Oh, yeah. It's gone wild out here. Do you guys have whole or half? Oh, man. We're going whole milk. Nice. Lactose free. 2% ain't going to get it. Right. It's the whole stuff. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So confused. (laughs) Oh, no, man. This is people do. Actually, when people overdose, their loved ones will 
pour ice water all over them. Put them in an ice bath. Right. On the second floor. Yeah, you got to get them up to the upstairs bathroom, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. If they don't have the little Narcan injection, it's still ice water. and Whole milk. All in milk. <laughs> is that is that literally supposed to help? It doesn't. It doesn't do anything. No, no, no. But. It does. It does nothing. No, I will tell you, whole milk and and, and pepper spray is a thing. So if yeah. you ever get pepper spray, the fat milk, and you, yeah, yeah, into milk. Yeah. So you pepper yeah, spray. You gotta have fun with it. Like you can't. This is another way. Like another way to like co- combat that compassion fatigue. You gotta like yeah. make jokes because yeah. if you're serious twenty four seven, you're gonna just you're gonna like eat yourself up and it's just it's not a fun feeling to feel like depressed and sad and no. you know hopeless and stuff like that right you know uh we definitely have our inside jokes and i'm sure with your partner you have all kinds of stuff you guys can just look at each other i'm i don't know knowing as much as i do know about you i'm sure you've been on calls where you could make eye contact with your partner the whole time mm-hmm. um you know it's like uh trying to appreciate all the different ways people talk and how they describe things. And it's weird, you know, all the places I've worked, um, like I went on deployment once and I was in New York city and I literally picked up the accent while talking to a patient and my partner looked at me, looked at the patient. He's like, what are you doing? Are you mocking him? And I was like, "What?" No. like I did not realize yeah. that I started talking just like my patient. And I've noticed several paramedics will talk exactly like their patient, not not to like be a jerk or whatever, but to kind of um, get in their space with them. Yeah, like yeah. they yeah. use the same slang and everything. Yeah, you know, like, and I I don't, um, and I know Amira does it too. I don't correct patients if I understand when they say they have high blood. I know what that means. If they tell you, you know, grandma DFO'd, I know exactly what that means. Also, I'm not going to stand there and educate you on that or try to change. <laughs> who you are or whatever. I'm multilingual. I speak many languages. Right. You know, the sugars are, and Uh and like, how often do you correct your patients? If you know what it is, you you just accept it for what it is and you move on. Right. You know, like, and I've seen a lot of the younger people want to argue. I'm like, it's not your job to educate in this format. Like you understand what they mean, you know, move with it and then do patient care. Um, Absolutely true. So what do you think, what do you think would be a good, thing to tell other crews and other companies and other people that do EMS or to, what, what do you think would be a good thing to try and bring back like that camaraderie that, you know, how do we become friends again? That compassion, that, you know, kindness, that like that togetherness again, how we, how do you think we should do that? Should we meet up and do Kumbaya in a circle? Yep. How about some karaoke? No. Somebody um, needs just- to bring breakfast back apparently. I think Heck just yeah. taking the time, man, taking, like, I would say for us, you know, more senior people, just even being so bold as to stop the younger crews and just say, hey, this is a thing. It's important. It's important for your longevity in this career to take two minutes to talk to, you know, a, a rival company. Right. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, that's that's something I intend to to do with this this platform is just continually have people have guests from our EMS community on. Yeah, like you know? I, I don't have issues with anybody. We're all out here paying the bills, doing our job. You know, right. you work for Swartz. Swartz still does patient care. They're still supposed to be out there doing the same dang job I am. Like, right. you know. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and that's where people like, 
I don't, I don't have beef with sports. I don't have beef with anybody. I just want to go out and do my job, get my paycheck. I want people right. to be treated well. Cause you know what? If you show up and take care of my mom, I'm completely comfortable with that. Right. I, I mean, I prefer my mom not ever needing an ambulance, but in, in the long run of it, I want you to be just as good as whoever I work with that wears the same right. badge. And we've always wanted that. Right. I don't, I don't care who shows up. I just want them to be able to do their job and do it, do it with compassion and empathy. But I, I honestly think that you're on the right track, Jim. And I don't have, I don't have an answer on how to bring back the camaraderie because honestly, the age gap and these people have such a different view on work. Uh, like you've yeah. to me, like the, I'm sure you've seen it, the expectations of everything a job's supposed to provide and what they're willing to do. And I'm not trying to knock them. I think some of the younger generations are right. We do need a balance and EMS has really been bad about the home life balance. Right. We're, we've always had to work way more than we should. And that takes away from our family. You know, it takes away, you know, the empathy when you come home, you've, you've already poured out your soul to 14 people and you've right. already listened to so much complaining. When you come home to your family, as much as you're excited to see them, more complaining or more turmoil, your patients are much smaller. Right. And if you have to work more, that's more short-tempered nights where you're trying to contain and not take it out on anyone. But as EMS workers, I know we all do it. Right. We all have it. Just, well, that's just what, you know, yourself. a huge part of starting, you know, we do a little, we have a, a house church gathering at, at my mm -hmm. house on Monday nights. Mm -hmm. I just, I think I could be better about doing my job as a pastor and or chaplain and just being in people's ear because it's a safe spot. That was the whole idea. It's yeah. just a safe mm -hmm. spot. Um, Amira, you were talking about, uh, you know, we brought up like having some type of of way to take care of ourselves. Um, in March, we're actually going to do like a food drive nice. so we can so we can build up some type of just little base of like non-perishable things like that to have. So then when something happens next time, you know, when you have an officer and a deputy get shot, then instantly we have a plan and we aren't we aren't trying to fumble around and figure things out. You know, we're um, so just I think from our standpoint, from my standpoint, I could be much better at, at just keep inviting people. I know it's a scary thing. You know, church is a scary word to a lot of people, you know, eh. church, church in someone's living room. Even scarier in, in some it sounds aspects. Like a good time, man. Well, I guess I look at it this way is outreach is outreach. It's community. Um, right. God's about bringing people in and nobody, nobody's going to go want to hang out with God. If you're beating them over the head with it and they don't know anything about it. Right. Um, right. So I think with your consistency of who you've been over the years that I know you, I, I can't imagine anybody being off by an invitation. Um, right. Like, uh, honestly, uh, there's a group of us at work, um, uh, Jeff and, and Ben, when we're together, we have kind of a routine. Jeff, <coughs> Jeff usually has his Bible and, uh, we do this whole thing. Like, uh, Jeff pops in the office and we'll take a few minutes and we're together and we'll grab the Bible and we'll flip to whatever page, put our finger and read it. And we all, whoever's in the room will read. And it's, and they, they always correlate. It always gives us a good message for the day. And anybody that's in the room is welcomed to do that. 
right. you know, we don't push it on anybody. We don't make anybody stand and listen to us. Um, but it is amazing to watch how many people at work will come over and listen. Mm-hmm. And then we'll hand, and, you know, like, do you want to participate? And they will. Um, Amira's That's cool. It. Yeah, I, got, I was in there and that was a vengeful night. I was, I was feeling rather feisty and uh, they uh, had me participate and all the, the passages basically said, be calm, you know, don't seek vengeance, you know, it'll be okay. God, it's in God's hands. And Laura's like, see, see? And I was like, fine. <laughs> like if you're holding the Bible in your hand and you're like, hey, you know, you're talking, you're having a conversation with God, you know, because prayer isn't about just these structured things that are written down that we can repeat. It's, it's literally you dumping your soul out to God, either in your head, you know, an internal dialogue or speaking out loud. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like with Amira, she's having a bad day. And I was like, hey, we're going to rile that spirit down. And literally every reading we had. Yeah, I wanted to punch somebody, but I did not. Laura saved me from, from doing that. <laughs> you know, like, because, like, anger eats you up. Yeah. Anger's right. a bad yeah. thing. And, and, like, I've had many moments where I'm like, you know, like, this isn't fair, you know, but, like, it's, a, it's uh, God always reminds, you know, you, like, in the moment, like, good people suffer, and you know what? Bad people suffer, too. This is a planet of suffering. We're all mm-hmm. suffering. Life is suffering. You know, you can't mm-hmm. you can't escape it. We all have to go through it. But without pain, there's no growth. So, right. like, right. Uh, we're all growing. Uh, we didn't want to be in the pressure cooker we put in. And I still wanted to cause somebody pain that day, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted to make it help them grow. You know, you like, wanted- yes, someone... It's, you're growing. I, I wanted to help. <laughs> you wanted to bring that refining fire, did you? Absolutely. <laughs> I wanted to share. <laughs> yeah, you were the smelter. <laughs> but uh, but no, I I do think that you're on the precipice of something. And I think if you could develop, you know, with your church and then you keep pushing with the, the EMS thing. Um, one thing that I think would be super awesome is, you know, they used to have the EMS Expos. Mm-hmm. It would be really cool if we could get the mad control, the hospitals, and all of the local EMS agencies to pitch in and have a fun, like, relay races and have, like, a day <laughs> that everybody can meet up and bring their families from the different companies. And maybe med control puts on a picnic and they set up relay races, like, how quick can you backboard in, like, three-legged races. I know it sounds super cheesy. No. But if you- but it like you know like the skill center has like that uh uh team camp thing you know what i'm talking yeah, about base camp yeah but like man if med control wanted to do something super awesome we if we could pick um pretty much i don't say advocates but advocates from each company and send them for team building like there, like in groups but all from all the different agencies and force them all to spend a day and get to know each other like i think that would probably get us to our goal of Hey, I saw Joe from. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. because once, once you know, like, if I don't like someone, and we all we've all worked EMS that we have people that were like, ugh, uh, they're just so hard. Um, I tell myself before I can actually decide I don't like someone, I have to know four things about them, and oh, I good. have to engage. So like, there's not too many people that work for MMR that I couldn't tell you personal information about. It, not because I don't like people that I work with, but I tell myself I have to engage long enough to know. So we have a common ground. Yeah. So if I need mm-hmm. to discuss with them as a supervisor, I can bring up things that I know are important to them. 
Right. That's good. Because um, I, I think that's super critical. And I tell my crews when they're not, they're avoiding someone. I'm like, all right, we're adults. This isn't an adult job. You know, this isn't school. You can't go sit in the front row next to Timmy. Sometimes you have to sit in the back next to Barbara and you're going to have to figure this out and learn to, you know, just work. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think people have forgotten that when we started EMS, you were told who your partner was. You showed up, you did your job and you mm-hmm. figured it out. And I, I worked with some people that was like, oh, I don't want to, but I have to. I still don't want to, but I still have to, <laughs> you know. Um, but like, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's so crazy. Like I said, generationally, um, you know, we have six generations working together right now in the world and it is the craziest thing to watch. It is, but yeah, that's, so that's, that's our goal. And so, you know, also kind of something that we're planning out. So I'm thinking of doing like a, a one day event for EMS. So it'd be like a, um, like a conference style thing, but we're going to like, mm-hmm. we bring people in with different, different ways of helping providers with like self, like uh self care or like mm-hmm. nutrition, those kind of things. Well, that's awesome. I'm, I'm very proud of you. And I, I think it's it. amazing um, to do what you're doing because it takes a lot of initiative and guts. And I'm, I'm sure you probably question some nights when you have all this time and, and effort put in here. Is, are you getting anywhere? So, right. Yeah, for sure. You are. Sometimes yeah. it's a slow burn for sure. You know, and it, it took me a while to get to, to understand that, you know, that it wasn't going to be an overnight process. So right. understanding that, you know, I'm way more comfortable in kind of pursuing this thing. So, you know, we've been, the podcast has been up, We've been doing this for since 2017, I think. This year will be this year will be five years. Yeah. Wow. That's how my dog is. So that's this episode. You guys' episode will be what? 127. 127. Seven is a good number. One. Oh, 128. We'll, we'll take it. We'll take it. 128. Wow. But that's awesome. It's amazing. I have to verify. So, yeah, it will be 126. 126. Okay. Oh man, we'd we'd step back a couple. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's yeah. It's but it's been that was a thing, man. During early COVID, I was like, you know, before that we met in a studio and recorded, and then we couldn't, and then we decided we'd just be consistent. Yeah. And every week, I'm going to do my best to put out the best content I can come up with that week. Right. And just, you know, and I really am to the point where I don't care who listens as long as there's people in our EMS community hearing it. You know, I don't need, I'm not looking for Joe Rogan numbers here. I'm like, I just, there's a a certain group of people that is important to me that they have the opportunity to hear. So it's been cool. Transformer spark, (laughs) you know, just, just trying to keep the spark alive. Yeah. Um, I dig it. No, I, I, I think it's amazing. Like you said, I, uh, you've worked in Livingston. I have, I've worked in Detroit. I've, I've worked different places and, I will tell you, there's just something different about working in Genesee County. That's for sure. We're, we've been a broken system for a long time, but it's home for me. Right. And I don't know. Is it that abused child thing? Like, uh, I'm going to come back here because it's what I know. 
you know, that's what I'm just saying. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's definitely different. It's but like I think, nowhere else. I don't know. I think when you can see it and you understand it, you have an ability to come into that space in a way that mm-hmm. other people might not have the capacity for. And yeah, so like, I think, I think you need that little bit of, if it's brokenness, quirkiness, stubbornness, like whatever that all is jumbled in together. Um, yeah. It, I mean, Jim has said so many times it takes special people to want to be in this space and it's important. Absolutely. It's important that you yeah. are, you know, yeah, I will tell you guys this and then we'll kind of land the plane. But as far as that goes, when I went to Livingston, I was kind of making my rounds cause I'd been a medic for nine years at that point. So I went down there kind of telling the different ER docs I was bouncing going down there. When I told Dr. Yagi that I was going to Livingston County, he was like, at the time I took it as he was being super smug to me. But he's like, oh, you'll be back. And super, I offended. That. super offended. I was like, yeah, why do you say that? And he said, you know what? I'm going to let you come tell me when you come back. Oh, wow. And I was <laughs> like, you know, I was like, what a jerk. But I went down there and I made it like 30 days. And I was like, I can't be here. Like the way this operates is, is not okay. It's not what I'm used to. I got like Laura said, I got to go home. And I did, man. That was my first stop. Went to Hurley, went to Yaggy's office. I'm like, okay, let me tell you. And, but it was cool then. He didn't have the told you so kind yeah. of look on his face. <laughs> he was just like, he's like, yeah, that's what I thought. And it was, I think the idea that the lack of free, free thinking, it seems like everything was very cookie cutter. You know what I mean? Everything sure. is very here's our recipe, you follow the recipe and you do the next thing because it's the next thing. It's, it's wild. You know, when the providers get to know you here, um, your autonomy increases, so. Right. Yeah, no, um, no, you've always been a, an amazing, um, well-thought-of provider by me. Um, I appreciate so, it. Um, I like you. <laughs> yeah, you, you're one of our faves, one of the OGs, man. So, right, like. That's true. No, no, no! Like, like seriously, like I. So if life was a football game, <laughs> you'd be on the, you'd be like the halftime show. Yes. <laughs> oh, so not wild. 50 cents, though. Not fifty cents. <laughs> but you know what? So this is funny. So I'm gonna sidebar real quick because I have some some old heads that are super mad of because Eminem took a knee. And I was uh-huh. like, wait! I was like, um, see, but really. He was paying homage because, like, the last, before the last song, Dr. Dre played the intro music to a Tupac song called I Ain't Mad At Ya. Right. And so they were paying respects. So Eminem was kneeling in homage to Tupac. Nothing right. to do with police. Right. Nothing to do with anything. But right. well, people, people just run with stuff. And that's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Beautiful. Like, I, I mean, it's cool to see, like, super famous people do awesome things, but I really think that halftime show, uh, I told my mom, I want to see the bands that can do all the shapes. Like, I yeah. think that would be an amazing thing to see. But uh, Back. but uh, you, you, you are doing an amazing thing, and you are definitely touching lives, and you're probably <laughs> having people holding on, you know? Cause well, I hope so. Yeah, that's left. the goal. You know, because so. uh, like you said, you, you only got a couple of years left. You know, our bodies can only do this for so long. Power cots or not. 
right. What well, thank you, so, thank you so much for having you, uh, having you have us on your show. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for coming on. This is, super you know, fun. you guys are awesome. Yeah. Sorry if we were all over the place. No, no that's, you know, that's, that's how we do. <laughs> yeah. I just, it's literally the, the beauty of the long form kind of conversational, uh, the podcast medium that I love so much is cause that's the whole thing. Cause yeah. people, people want to hear other people's conversations and that's, there's podcasts out there where it's like educational and, and you know, more like a Ted talk or whatever, but right. ours will always be like, I have some ideas and I'll start a conversation in that way, but wherever it goes is where it goes. And I think that's why people like it. Yeah. We used to have so. notes back in the day and stuff, but that's neither, yeah. either way, we either one of us page. are wired. So it's just like, nope. And we get, I get so excited and interested in hearing like about people that, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, we've literally had people that we've had on. We're like, they're like, well, so what do you want to talk about? And we're like, well, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> you know, right. like what's on your heart? What are you passionate about? What do you care about? You know, and that's going to be the better conversation. Yeah. That's going to be the better nice. time shared together, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I think kind of related to that as my final note, is that everybody's wired differently. Like God's given us all different talents and graces and experiences and to just be able to push into that. And um, a friend of mine told me last year, you don't have to be best friends with everybody, but you can be authentic. And so you don't have to just give everybody this perfect cookie cutter image of what you think everybody wants you to be you can be an appropriate level of yourself in each of those situations um, and still be honest, still be authentic, still be real, still be compassionate, still have hard days, still, you know. And I think that the more that people give each other permission to be in that space with each other and learn how to do that, like it's okay to walk up to somebody that you were, you know, like you said, decompress with each other, say that, hey, you know, that sucked. Today kind of sucks, you know, but at the same time, be able to do intentional, even little things that can have people know that they're seen. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, through the pandemic, people would leave stuff on people's doorsteps. They would write cards to each other, send gift cards to things. Those things shouldn't go with the pandemic. Like those are no. old school things that should never go away because it shows people Absolutely. that they matter and they care. And those are they things that they take a little bit of time. Sometimes it takes, you know, that 10 bucks on a gift card for coffee or something, whatever it looks like. Um, it, and it means such the world to people. And to take that space, to treat somebody like a human, like everything that you guys are saying tonight, it, it's just everybody being able to kind of slowly catch that fire of that to be encouraged by it to have people see them but also to kind of step out and be willing like hey i don't see anybody else doing it but i know it's important i know that it should be done so i'm willing to do the thing even if i don't see anybody else around me doing it yep absolutely all right thanks everyone for listening thank you amira and laura for being on uh freedom center church and kingdom builders as always thank you for your love and support Check us out on the socials and we'll see you guys next time.